Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real, Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep-free trial and a 10-year warranty, so you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code IDO for an exclusive 35% off. Because every mom deserves a good night's sleep, and with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash I do. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Thanks for tuning in for today's show where we talk about the common challenges 
that newlywed couples face. But even if you're not a newlywed, these are things that you need to address. And Dr. Jen Bellis walks us through the three most common things uh, to look for, especially if you're a newlywed, and how to prevent them, how to deal with these challenges. And Jen is a clinical psychologist from the University of North Carolina, and she does research and clinical work that focuses on understanding healthy, intimate relationships and working with couples when one or both partners is struggling with mental or physical health problems. And in the episode, we have a lot of references to other episodes, as well as links to other guides. And we will be sure to add those into the show notes on our website and in the podcast description so that you can access all those great free resources. And before we continue on to the episode, uh, Chase and I just wanted to briefly talk about a situation, I guess you could say. (laughs) And there have been a couple reviews addressing that I don't talk as much or that Chase should talk less. And we just wanted to bring that up just so that we can be transparent with you guys and let you know that there is a reason for that. And that is Chase is more of the primary host on the show. And I do most of all the back end marketing and business stuff and and all that. So this, how you hear the show is what works for us and our relationship and our business. And so we really hope that you continue to tune in. I'm working on talking more and being more involved in the show. But as I've talked about before, it is a little bit harder for me to be so impromptu on these shows. Um, and it's a little bit easier for Chase. And that's why he carries that load uh, more than I do. But We just want to be transparent and upfront with you guys, and we hope that you guys stick around and we do this show for you guys. So your feedback is always valuable, and we're always taking these reviews seriously and trying to improve. And we, at the end of the day, really appreciate you guys. So thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy the episode. Today's show is brought to you by our online course, Spark My Relationship. Create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days. We've collaborated with 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. To unlock a special offer only for I Do Podcast listeners, visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. That's sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. Hi, Jen. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, Sarah. Chase. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Jen, today we're going to talk about what feels like might be a topic for Sarah and I, but then I realized this is our fifth year <laughs> wedding anniversary. I don't anniversary. know if we count as newlyweds anymore. <laughs> I know, which is crazy, but I'm sure there's How some... long has it been? Remind me. Well, together for almost 11 and married for okay. five. Okay. Yeah. So you're kind of um, edging out of that newlywed, newlywed phase, but um, I think the things we can talk about today are probably still applicable. Awesome. Yeah, I, I figured they were, but it was just thinking about today's show, talking about challenges for newlyweds is what yeah. we're going to dive into. I was like, man, we, we're not technically newlyweds anymore, which just feels right. crazy. But anyways, um, I know we're going to learn some stuff and I hope our listeners will too. So let's talk about 
what are some of the major things newlyweds have trouble with? And we can talk about how we can prevent those issues. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, there are three primary issues that um, come up in terms of newlywed relationships and the things that couples most often cite as being problems. Do either of you actually want to guess what those are before I talk about what they are? Hmm. Uh, let's do that. That might be I fun. I would say money, kids, and oh, I don't know what the last one is. What's your guess? Sex. Money, kids, and sex? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. How close are we? <laughs> You're very close. Yeah, two out of three. So um, money, finances, number one, basically. Um, sex is the other one. And then work-life balance. And kind of adjusting to the role of being sort of a married unit and also dealing with the stresses of work and all the other kind of individual things that um, each person has going on as well. So you're pretty good. Two out of three. Nice job. (laughs) Pretty close there. So let's dive in. Let's talk about uh, whichever one you like to lead with. Yeah. Um, And I guess I'll just say before I jump into each and, and discuss each of those three issues that... Um, kind of building off what we were already saying about, you know, transitioning out of the newlywed phase, although these are problems specific to newlywed couples in some ways, they're not really. Um, What we know over time is that, especially these three issues, in terms of frequency, um, if they're not addressed, they just come up more over time. Um, So it really highlights the key of dealing with these issues early on. And as much as we would like them to just kind of take care of themselves um, and go away on their own, sometimes we don't, you know, we avoid and we don't want to talk about or deal with the issue. Um, you know, the, these issues will come up over time more. So um, just want to highlight that newlywed phase is so important. Um, couples are transitioning to a really important foundational time in their relationship. And so if these issues are coming up, it's the best time to do it, to, to deal with the issue is at that moment, is, is now. Absolutely. So those of you listening, you're tuning in at the right time. Really? Yeah, because exactly. Exactly. What, it, if you haven't done it before, now is the time. And and if you're newlywed, great. There's no if better not, time than now. Exactly. Say. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> well, um, maybe we'll start with uh, work-life balance as sort of a gentle entry point into this topic. Um, so I think one of the challenges you know, I think this challenge is really about couples um, learning how to define roles and accomplishing tasks together as a unit. And even for couples who may have lived together before, um, and so there may be less of a stark contrast. Once they're married, they're already kind of living together. They might already have some routines. There's still sort of a, a psychological component in terms of, you know, deciding to get married and um, then still transitioning into, okay, now we're a couple. We've committed to each other for life. And so that often carries a lot of weight in terms of um, how people think about themselves in the relationship. So regardless of the couple status in terms of being living together before or not, before they were married, um, that, that transition to, okay, now we're a unit. And how do we develop a shared kind of couple identity? And um, how do we balance kind of what it takes to maintain that our life, you know, maintain the home? Um, so thinking about giving up tasks, it's sort of that mundane stuff, but that's really kind of ultimately, you know, what keeps us going day to day. You know, who's taking out the trash and who's doing the dishes and, you know, who's calling our parents or in-laws to coordinate Christmas or, you know, um, Fourth of July, you know, long weekend plans. Um, 
And one of the challenges that comes up is around individuals' expectations. So individuals' partners having expectations about how that relationship, those tasks should be divided and what it looks like in reality. Um, and sometimes those two don't coincide with each other. And that's when um, we often see challenges in relationships. It's so funny that you brought up expectations because we just recorded an episode where we talked about how expectations, if they're not met or not talked about, can lead mm-hmm. to resentment. And we all know how bad resentment can be on a relationship. And so really defining these expectations early on in the relationship yes. so that you don't even go down that resentment rabbit hole. Exactly. Yeah, Sarah, you're totally on point there in terms of um, how we would suggest people go about dealing with this. Um, and, and, you know, this is going to be very common, right? All of our expectations are not going to be met. It's something that we need to, both in our relationship and just life in general, to be successful is um, knowing how to deal with um, expectations that aren't met um, and the disappointment that comes with that. Um, but, but taking sort of a, um, being proactive about it and having these conversations early on um, and, you know, coming up with a compromise doesn't always mean 50-50. Okay, let's, you know, divide line, divide tasks right down the middle, but really thinking about um, who's good at what, who, who enjoys doing what. Um, and it's often really about just being able to have these conversations and know that you're being heard um, and then coming up with, with a solution that hopefully takes both partners' desires and expectations into account. Seems like explicitly listing some of these expectations and then communicating them with your partner is a valuable exercise. So I'm picturing newlyweds, you're you're moving in together and mm-hmm. it, probably already been living together, but now let's say you're you're trying to just set up a successful foundation. Just right. starting with maybe, hey, these are the things that that I don't mind doing around the house explicitly writing them out and then saying, Hey, you know, Mm -hmm. it'd be helpful if you did the laundry because I don't really want to do the laundry, but I'll do the dishes. Um, is that kind of like an exercise? Uh, do you have anything specifically that, that you like to recommend or a format for that? I think, I think what you suggested is perfect. Um, you know, it's really, you know, when a lot of what we do when we work with couples is really coming down to having these open lines of communication, allowing both partners to be heard and understood, and then ultimately coming to some kind of compromise, which again, looks different for everybody, but um, really taking into account both partners' um, preferences. And, but again, it doesn't mean always mean, you know, right in the middle, 50-50. Um, but I think what you described sounds uh, really on point in terms of just laying out what those expectations are, um, what the preferences are, and then um, seeing how that conversation goes. And obviously, these are big themes, these challenges mm-hmm. that, that newlyweds face. And I'm just thinking of past episodes. We've, I mean, we've had several episodes on expectations, on work-life balance, on, on sex, on money. So obviously, they're detailed and require thought and work, but maybe this episode is just giving you the general um, realization that, hey, like, I'm going to get these things in line 
because we're earlier in our relationship. And if we do it now, we're going to set ourselves up for less frustration later down the road. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, hopefully this episode will also highlight just the importance and the foundation that this newlywed phase really um, can provide. Um, and again, the challenges that couples see in these early you know, years of their relationship often are just either exacerbated over time um, if the couple's not doing well or if they are doing well, then they often continue to function at a high level. And it's for this very reason um, that, you know, if they've already kind of worked out some of these kinks, then they've got something good going on and that can be maintained. But if they're struggling, you know, you add the stresses of just what we all experience in our everyday lives, work stressors, family stressors, and then specific relationship stressors. And if if your relationship is already struggling, um, it often can't handle those additional stressors. And so if then you come home after a long day of work and you have to get, you have a big blow up about who's taking out the garbage, you can only imagine um, how difficult that will be to sustain itself over time. Nearly impossible, especially if you add in kids and you're just like, <laughs> just playing catch up. <laughs> exactly. 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 Um, and I guess the other piece about the work-life balance is just that couple identity versus personal identity. So really about how you see yourself as a couple, sort of a shared unit, and then what's your personal identity still? Um, because that is, in and of itself is a transition. Um, you know, how do you maintain your own hobbies and maybe your own set of friends um, in addition to having shared friends and shared hobbies? Um, but kind of how do you maintain that personal individual side of yourself while still giving a lot to your relationship? Um, and so one thing, you know, people can do is just kind of check in with themselves. You know, how, how am I doing... How are we doing as a couple in terms of our shared identity? Do we feel connected? Um, do we feel like we're operating as a unit? But then also, how am I doing? You know, who am I as a person that's separate from my partner? And does that feel like it's um, robust and doing well? And those two are often related, but they're distinct too. So it's important to check in on both fronts. I feel like that can also kind of lead into the the finance portion because... Mm-hmm. If somebody is, let's say one person in the relationship has a really strong uh, group of friends, for example, and maybe they go on a couple trips a year with their friends, that can now, if you're in a relationship with somebody and let's say, you know, finances are combined or something, that mm-hmm. can go into play and, and cause some frustration or, you know, unclear expectations as as to whether or not those girlfriend trips or guy friend trips are still, I guess, a go. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's a great segue into um, thinking about finances and how, uh, why finances is such a challenge for many couples, not just newlyweds, but we'll, we'll think about it in terms of newlyweds specifically. But like I said, we see these issues throughout really the relationship span for most couples. And kind of like what you were saying, Sarah, that, that there are um, different um, you know, having different maybe expectations around finances, having different financial goals, values around finances. Um, these are all places where couples can differ. And when there's difference, there's opportunity for um, potentially, you know, disagreements and then that not getting handled in a really effective way. 
But when we think about newlyweds specifically, um, there are you know reasons why newlyweds might have a lot of debt or more debt, for example, um, that might be different. So they may have just purchased a house for the first time. Um, if they just got married, then there could be some finances from you know, a wedding, for example, a debt from wedding. Um, and then there also might be the first time the couple is really merging their finances. And it's something that they might be learning about the financial health of their partner for the first time. And one of the challenges um, is, I might sound like a broken record, but, you know, a lot of these things aren't talked about before. Um, and this is very true for finances and, and for sex is, you know, we live in a culture where um, social norms around talking explicitly about finances, what you make, how you save, and then explicitly talking about sex are often taboo topics. And so these often don't get talked about until there's some major issue, um, which, you know, uh, in hindsight, or, you know, if you have the space, you, you can probably see it's not the best time to have those conversations. Ideally, you have them before an issue arises. Um, but that's sort of what's happening in terms of the background or uh, kind of behind the scenes in terms of why so many couples um, struggle with this issue. It's kind of ironic that these are the biggest pain points for newlyweds and really long-term relationships, and mm-hmm. yet they are the ones that we tend to not communicate about because of, like you said, the cultural taboos and really changing that narrative, uh, hopefully in the long run, like we have a three-year-old daughter if we can early on get her comfortable expressing herself in relation to these things, obviously at age appropriate times, but I think that's such a valuable thing to be able to pass on to a kid because not only in romantic relationships, but just in your life, like being able to really explicitly communicate your needs and desires at work is an important thing too. And it really just leads to more happiness in your life. Absolutely. Yeah. You're definitely on point um, in terms of these skills, not only being useful in our relationship, but also in other parts of our life. Um, And that it takes repeated practice to feel comfortable Again, especially because we've been socialized to think, oh, it's wrong to talk about how much I make or, again, talk about sex. Um, And so what often comes up is when these topics are raised, there's a lot of negative emotion. There could be shame, there could be anxiety, fear, um, sadness, this, you know, reflecting on past situations gone awry. so, so there often, it may not even be the specific issue with your partner around finances, but just the topic itself might have a lot of emotional baggage, you know, quote unquote. Um, and so that just, um, you know, can be emotionally challenging and exhausting, um, in part because these issues are rarely brought up. And so if we can just have these more regular conversations, they won't be as painful every time we bring them up because we'll have worked through some of the issues related to them. We've had, uh, Scott and Bethany Palmer on, they call themselves the Mm. the money couple Mm -hmm. and they talk about your money personality and understanding that, which is basically your relationship with money and and Mm -hmm. how it's formed from your childhood. And you bring that into adulthood and then understanding that individually and sharing it with your partner is such a critical thing because it's not just about the money. It's there's deeper underlying things there and 
oftentimes if, if you don't understand them, even for yourself, it can be an issue, but bringing that into a new relationship, especially a new marriage, and it's likely it's going to be different than your partners and that can lead to a lot of issues. So we'll, we'll be sure to link to that episode in the show notes and, uh, others are ringing bells because like I said, all these are really important and we've gone in depth into, into each, like, you know, there's a whole show just saw with Scott and Bethany about understanding your money personality, because it is such an important thing. We could do 10 more really. Um, mm-hmm. cause I could prevent so much frustration in the relationship. Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. Today's episode is sponsored by Iconic, where you can shop name brand glasses, contacts, and sunglasses for the best possible price. Iconic seamlessly connects your eyewear, your vision insurance coverage, and your doctor's expertise with their network of over 38,000 eye doctors. Use their virtual try-on tool to see yourself in your favorite pair of glasses. Enjoy the view and visit iconic.com slash I do. That's Iconic, E-Y-E, C-O-N-I-C dot com slash I do to shop 60 high quality name brands, including Nike, Ray-Ban, Oakley, and AccuView. Get free shipping and returns, price matching, and a complimentary frame adjustment. Plus, save up to $220 when you apply your insurance. Don't have insurance? Use the promo code I do to get 10% off your entire order. Iconic is looking out for your eyes. Today's episode is also brought to you by Zola. If you're engaged or planning a wedding, Zola Registry is the place to be. Zola is reinventing the wedding planning and registry experience to make the happiest moments in couples' lives even happier. I was not much of a planner for our wedding, but if I was going to be a planner, I would definitely use Zola because it takes the stress out of wedding planning. With free wedding websites, save the dates and invitations, a wedding registry, and free, easy-to-use wedding planning tools. Yeah, I really wish Zola was around when we were planning because it would have made my life so much easier. Zola's free wedding websites can be created in minutes and you can choose from over a hundred beautiful designs that will fit any couple's style and they are all free. You have the ability to add photos, stories about where you met, details about the accommodations, literally almost anything you can think of. And you can even add on your Zola registry to your free Zola wedding website. Zola registry just makes registering for newlywed life super easy. Shop over 500 top brands from KitchenAid and Cuisine Art. What, you can get a blender, blend some stuff up. That, <laughs> yeah. that would be nice. To Sonos and Airbnb. I like that better. Stay yeah. somewhere yeah. really cool. Maybe a tree top bungalow. And, and even create a honeymoon fund and register for travel gift cards like Delta and Southwest. Talk about a modern day registry. Right? So to start your free wedding website or registry on Zola, go to Zola.com slash I do. That's Zola, Z-O-L-A dot com slash I do. Well, I'm so glad to hear that um, you have done a deep dive into some of these topics. Obviously, you know, today's show is really kind of more cursory and overview, but I'm glad to hear that you know, your listeners will have access to some of these more um, 
you know, in-depth discussions. But again, I, yeah, I would echo what you just said in terms of the importance of um, not only for yourself to understand, okay, where does this come from? And maybe do some historical reflection on maybe where some of these ideas or values around money came from. Again, for many people, it's from their, you know, um, upbringing, but then not only for you to understand it, but then also for your partner to understand it. And one of the reasons why that's really important is because it can help to um, help foster a sense of empathy between partners. Because sometimes what happens is when we don't understand why something is the way it is, we can assign a negative kind of evaluation on it. Um, okay, so maybe you think, oh, my partner's so cheap with money, you know, he or she doesn't want to spend anything because they don't care about me, maybe, for example. But instead, if you really knew that your partner, um, you know, had grown up in a certain living situation where money was very tight and therefore um, saving was really highly valued, you might have a different perspective when you see him or her, you know, um, save money instead of spending, for example. So it kind of develops that empathy, which we know is very important for the long the longevity of a really healthy relationship. So when it comes to finances, are there any major things that we sort of haven't gone over, particularly with newlyweds as they come together? I know in the past we've talked about combining or not combining finances. That's always a big discussion. Um, and there is no right or wrong answer, but the point is going back to what we're harping on is to have that discussion. Don't just assume mm -hmm. what you're going to do. Exactly. Yeah. There was this really interesting um, study that I just read on, um, I think it was in, I think it was in the U S and, and uh, couples from the UK, they looked at financial transactions and when couples um, made purchases from either from a joint bank account, they were often more, um, economical purchases, and when they uh, couples were making purchases up from their individual bank accounts, they often tended to spend on more um, kind of personal, maybe um, things that were less essential. So, um, not that that's right or wrong either way, but that was just sort of an interesting finding. So, how you spend may depend on what you and your partner have decided in terms of your whether you combine or have separate bank accounts. But like you said, I think it Chase is just really about having being able to have those conversations. Um, and I think the other thing that they've, um, you know, that we know in terms of what makes these conversations more successful is just um, what makes the outcome more successful is having, um, again, talked about what people, kind of like the work-life balance and the home tasks, um, having taken stock in, okay, who prefers to do what? Um, and then so it's less about that 50-50 split, but, maybe one partner is really financially adept and really enjoys doing it. Um, so instead of putting the other partners uh, through torture, just ask them to take half of the load, it might actually be very appropriate to have that one partner take on more, um, but still keep both partners in the loop. It's an important point because I think in relationships, we tend to think like, well, we should share the, the workload mm -hmm. when it comes to all these things. And that's just not going to happen. And I don't think maybe a lot of people don't necessarily expect that, but maybe they expect their partner, they assume their partner is going to take care of a certain thing and they're not. And then you get upset and it's like your, your partner can't read your mind. So explicitly 
saying, hey, I, I really want you to do this around the house. It makes me feel loved and and I actually hate doing it. <laughs> so so can, can you, by the way. Can you, can you do that for me? Or or it's not even a task. It's just like, hey, can you keep your side of the bedroom clean? I, I get really anxious when our room's a mess. You know, like it seems such like a mundane thing, but going back to resentment and if you don't communicate that, this resentment's gonna build up and it might not seem like a big thing, but if you're doing that in 10 areas of the relationship, over time, that's going to bring some negativity into into that relationship. Yeah, big time. Um, and, you know, we often think about, um, you know, again, successful relationships over time. They're not the big grand gesture of doing something fancy for your anniversary or, um, you know, so, yeah, again, some, some one-off thing every year, but it's really about the fabric of the relationship is really about these kind of micro moments, how you interact with each other um, when you, you know, wake up in the morning, when you say bye because you're going to work, how you, um, you know, how you look at each other or touch each other, all these things, actually, that is what your relationship is about. And so, um, you know, these, these moments do actually matter. And so being able to talk about them and address them so that these micro moments of, of resentment, for example, don't build up is going to be really critical. I was kind of laughing when you were talking about these micro moments, because every time Chase makes the bed, I'm like, yes, this is amazing. <laughs> and it's funny because it's like, I've set the expectation that Chase will not make the bed because normally he doesn't. But when he mm. does, it's like, it's so nice. <laughs> it's you like mean- a big surprise. The three times that I've made the bed. <laughs> well, you know, you went on like a little just, kick for a while that you, made, that you made the bed. I honestly cannot remember the last time I made <laughs> It's the bed. been a while. It's been a while, but it's those micro moments, right? Good to know. <laughs> Got to work on that. And and being able to express gratitude, right? Um, and it's great there that you're able to recognize that and say, oh, you know, I'm noticing this. And then, of course, even better if you can share it with Chase, because that provides the opportunity to have another moment of connection, mm-hmm. which is another micro moment in and of itself. Now that I know, I'm going to I'm going to make an effort to uh, <laughs> to make the hey, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's funny. And obviously, that's not a big pain point for Sarah. You know, I would hope not. Mm-hmm. She hasn't communicated that to me. It, <laughs> no. it brings her joy. But. It also doesn't bring her resentment now. If, if I don't do it. Right. And I, that's an important distinction. But if I can go above and beyond, then all the better. And it is about those micro moments because all the little parts make up the whole. And one thing mm-hmm. Sarah and I try to do is is ask each other how their day was when one partner comes home from being out or work. I think that's like a really valuable thing that we like. And we, and it's so cute. We do it with our with our daughter Stella, who mm. before um, August, and she'll come home and be like, "Daddy, how was your day?" Or if I go surfing, <laughs> how was how was the surf? And it's really cute to see that she's developed this habit from us leading by example, but then asking her, and then so between Sarah and I too, we've developed this habit of asking each other and in. It's just, it's a small thing, but it's, it's a big thing. And especially being so distracted and busy as life can mm-hmm. be, mm-hmm. It, it's like a, it's a small win 
that is relatively easy when you when you make it a habit in your life. Exactly. And those are, um, you know, we can get a lot of relationship mileage. It's another way to think about it from these small things, um, because like you're saying, they can have such a big impact. Um, so let's maximize those to the extent that we can. So let's go on to the last yes. common challenge, which is sex, right? Yes, definitely. Um, and again, not surprising, probably for most people, you'll see a lot of similarities with the challenges that come up around finances. Um, but when we think about sex, again, we rarely talk about it. Um, and I think a lot of the socialization around sex comes from what we see in the media. Um, and, you know, we think that um, what we see is that couples just learn, they just know what their partner likes. And they it always goes well when they, you know, um, have sex or, you know, have some kind of physical relationship. And um, in reality, most of us have a very, very different experience, experience of that because that's rarely, if ever, true, um, that it always goes well. Um, and, you know, so, but, but having this belief that it should just work itself out um, can keep couples stuck in a really um, potentially dysfunctional pattern where it never gets talked about and only until some there's a big blow up of some kind or something goes terribly wrong, do people start to feel, okay, I, I really have to say something. Um, but of course, again, we don't want it to get to that point. And, and there's a lot of reasons why sex can be challenging in terms of why it might not work very well or why there could be some differences in terms of what people prefer. There's differences in partner's desire level, how much they would want to have sex or have some kind of sexual relationship, um, the kinds of activities that bring people pleasure. Um, so there's a lot of different factors that go into it. And so then it kind of makes sense why a lot of people also struggle because there's a lot of things that should actually be talked about and kind of calibrated so that both people can be satisfied. It seems like there's a few specific areas we should think about for ourselves and then communicate with our partner when it comes to sex and starting with maybe what it is that you like. Uh, mm -hmm. it, a lot of people, I know myself included, haven't really, or now I have, but prior really to this podcast, maybe seven, eight years ago, just really sat down and thought about what it is I like in bed and then communicate that with Sarah. And then that, so that seems like one area. And then also a desire discrepancy uh, becoming a problem. So communicating about that. So knowing like how much you would like to have sex and, and what your expectation is there and then communicating that with your partner and then navigating that. So easier said than done as far as navigating that. Um, so maybe can you comment on that? It seems like the mismatch in desire is a big area where uh, there can be some issues. Absolutely. Um, now, one of the things that one way to think about the desire issue um, could be that um, when couples struggle with their sexual relationship, um, it could either be a primary problem or a secondary problem. If, if it's a primary problem, it, it means that the, the sex in and of itself is the issue that maybe because the partners just have very different desires around frequency or um, what they like to do, 
But if it's a secondary problem, that means that there's something else in the relationship going on. Like maybe you and your partner have built up this resentment over time. And so the last thing you want to do is have sex with them because, you know, you're, you're pissed off at them all the time. And so, so yes, you're struggling in your sexual relationship, but it's not because the sex itself is the problem. It's more because it's, it's an after effect of some other primary issue, in which case um, you want to deal with the primary issue. And then probably for most couples, that secondary issue will resolve itself. That makes a lot of sense. And I don't think I've heard it broken down that way. Mm-mm. But of course, you know, I've thought about it that way. But yeah, it's not. Sometimes it's the issue around communication around sex, not the actual physical action. And, and then, but certainly sometimes it's the other way around. And then depending on your stage in the relationship, right? Like newlyweds, there's that honeymoon phase or mm-hmm. uh, endorphins are acting in such a way that uh, it's easier to be fired up and have that desire. And then when you settle in to a longer term relationship, that's where you need to create it in different ways because that natural honeymoon, those chemical cocktails are not floating around. So that's something to think about if you're a newlywed, it might feel good now, but then down the road, having those things in place to communicate, keep it interesting and and keep that uh, passion alive. Exactly. Um, And the other uh, feedback that we uh, give to couples around this issue and kind of approach that we ask people to to consider is what we call a um, one-two combination um, where each partner is responsible for their own um, sexual desire and arousal, but that you form a team, an intimate team, as you approach your sexual relationship as a couple. And what that does really is helps reduce blame um, because understandably, it's it's so vulnerable to talk about what you like um, physically and sexually. And um, there's a lot of, it's kind of awkward, you know, when there's a lot of missteps that can happen. And um, people can get very defensive because they might feel like they're being criticized or they're doing something wrong. And so, you know, instead of saying, well, my partner doesn't do X, Y, and Z the way I'd want them to, I'm really kind of taking your, that responsibility, your own personal responsibility for what it is that you want, what it is that you like, and communicating that. But then also, again, having that uh, approach where you're an intimate team. So you're not adversaries in this. You both want to help each other attain that maximum, maximum sexual you know, pleasure and desire. Um, and if you can do it as a team, you know your partner supporting you, but ultimately you have that responsibility to make sure that, okay, what is it that I need? Can you give us like a, an example of how that conversation would go down? Like how one, uh, one person would bring up something, you know, to without yeah. making the other person feel attacked or not yeah, so good? absolutely. So, um, I mean, I think there's the, you know, issue of just bringing it up in the first place. Um, if it's something you don't talk about, like just actually getting the words out, like, I think we should talk about sex. Like that's really hard for many people, you know? So if that's something you're struggling with, I mean, I would even, if you're listening to this podcast, I would even, 
you know, try to lightly um, and gently bring it up with your partner. I might say something like, hey, I was listening to this really great podcast, um, great host, good guest. And, you know, it's funny, they were talking about newlywed couples. And like, one of the things that comes up is just like, you know, sex and like how they, people don't talk about that. Um, and I was kind of thinking, you know, actually, we haven't really talked about that. Like, I just want to make sure that, you know, like, I'm giving you what you need. Um, you know, I, I know how sex important sex is, like, for any relationship. And um, yeah, I just, you know, I want to make sure that, that you're happy and you're satisfied. So I'm, you know, taking that kind of approach where, first of all, you can kind of bring it up in an easy manner, might just kind of maybe not, get, you know, have your partner get so caught off guard, which again, might, um, can sometimes lead to defensiveness. But then the other piece of it is, um, you know, using yourself as, as much as you want your partner to hopefully um, make changes that will, will suit you, hopefully your intention too is that you're going to go into it. You generally do want to know um, that you're satisfying your partner as well. And so I think if you, if you take that frame, it might be a little bit easier for your partner to hear, especially again, if it's coming out of the blue. I love that you said blame it on the podcast because we've had <laughs> past guests uh, say the same thing, but it's a good point. And I've actually done that too, not with our podcast, but I've said, hey, I, I saw yeah. this article and I, it, it's really interesting and, and it sparked my interest. And that's just a good way to... It's an icebreaker. Yeah, an icebreaker and and uh, get into the conversation. So please use... Use this episode, blame it on Sarah, blame it on Chase, blame it on yeah. Jen. Have the conversation though. Don't just avoid it because that's kind of the easier thing yeah. to do. But in the long run, the more difficult conversations you're having, really the happier and the more successful your relationship is going to be. And while we're on this topic, we did an episode specifically on how to communicate about how to have a better sex life. And we put together like a whole PDF outline for our listeners. So we'll link to that in the show notes too, so that if this is maybe the biggest issue that they're dealing with as newlyweds in their relationship, they can maybe use this outline as a conversation starter tool. I love that. Yeah. I think having those resources available are so important. And again, just to, just to really, um, hit home the point that the vulnerability piece, I think is such a big part of it and the conversation will be hard. And so I think the more that we can just acknowledge that up front, this is uncomfortable. I don't want to do this. I mean, in the moment, I don't want to do it, but I know it's important for the long-term relationship um, success. So it's kind of a bit of a trade-off in the moment. I'm willing to deal with the discomfort emotionally um, to have this, difficult conversation, but I know it's in the benefit of my relationship. So I'm willing to do that. I think taking that mindset can be quite helpful for some people. Well, Jen, thank you so much for outlining these uh, issues that may come up for newlyweds, but Sarah and I are not newlyweds and there's certainly things that uh, we can continue to work on here. So let's finish up by having you tell our listeners where they can find you online and then we'll say goodbye. Great. Well, I really um, enjoyed uh, being a part of this uh, podcast today and having this really um, delightful conversation. Um, if people want to get in touch with me, they can learn more about my community-based uh, work at elevatewellnessretreat.com um, or also my research at um, www.gmhaddictionlab.org um, and learn more about my research group there.
Excellent. We'll have all those links on your show notes page on our website at idopodcast.com as well as the podcast description. And thank you so much for joining us on the show, Jen. Thanks so much. Hope you both take care. Hi, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, all the links are in the show notes page as well as on the podcast description. And while you're on our website, we encourage you guys to check out our 14 day happy couple challenge. We send you an email for 14 days with simple, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And on our website, we also have a bunch of free resources for your relationship. So we encourage you to check those out. Uh, We also have our love tribe on Facebook. Uh, We encourage you guys to join the tribe and uh, be there for support for each other. If you have questions or just need some relationship advice, we are all here for each other. Um, The group has grown to almost a thousand people um, and we love it. So we hope you guys join that. You can go to Facebook, Love Tribe Fam, and you'll find us right there. And if you are interested in learning more about our flagship course, Spark My Relationship, we hope you guys check it out. We have a special offer that is only for podcast listeners. So you can go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock and you can unlock that special offer and learn more. As always, thank you guys so much and we'll see you next week. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.